Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, and that link will be in the show notes. Welcome to the Less Stressed Life podcast. This is your host, Krista Bigler, private practice integrative nutritionist, helping people across the U.S. reverse digestive issues, eczema, and autoimmunity via phone and video consult. To learn more, visit lessstressednutrition.com. Now, on to the show. So I started this new morning routine, and it has been life-changing really. So I do about 30 minutes in the sauna and while I'm in the sauna, I read and journal. So it's about 30 minutes. If I feel like I need to continue, I do. I open the door of the sauna, let it cool off a little bit and I will continue reading or journaling on whatever the thoughts were um, that kept going. And so when I'm done with that, it's like the most exciting time I had the best um, meditation I've ever had. And it was just the other day. And what I did was I, during the meditation, what came to me, um, actually, I guess, I guess I should go back to the book that I was reading. The book that I was reading was uh, Jen Sincero and it was, you are a badass at making money. And it talked about patience. It talked about forgiveness and it, um, and how important those things are in order to really move on with your life and not use those as blockages to um, keep you from one making money and living your best life. And so I went into my meditation and what came to me was that I am forgiveness. I am patience and that I just need to give that away. And so when I was done with my meditation, I opened the door and my girls were out there fighting, arguing. And so what I did with my 11 year old, I just looked at her and what usually would have come out of my mouth was, um, you know, stop, you need to be nice to your sisters and go to your room or whatever it would have been. And it wouldn't have been in a nice voice. And instead I just looked at her and I said, Sophia, do you know what patience is? And and she said, yes, you know, with the 11 year old voice of why are you asking me? And, and I just looked at her and I said, if you have patience with your sisters, they're going to treat you better. And so at that moment, like her body language completely changed, her facial expressions changed and she just relaxed and she, she, she was patient 
with her sisters and they played nicely. I don't know how long it lasted, but it was such a beautiful thing for me to witness because I was the one that gave patience to her. And so she was able to give patience to her sisters. And this all came about from working with James. I didn't have a meditation. Um, <laughs> I tried to meditate. Um, I, I wasn't doing it properly. And so James really helped me with that and guided me in the ways uh, that I needed to. I did a, a three-hour session with him, and then I did the 21-day program because I knew that meditating was going to bring me to a whole new level in my personal life, um, in my relationships, in my business, and just being a good mom. Um, and it's it's been fantastic. So, tell me one more thing, though, Elizabeth, yes. because you told me at the beginning that you realized you were doing this self care ritual of the sauna on the days that you weren't going into work, right, on your days off, but you weren't doing it on the days that you went into work. I hope I said that right. So basically kind of how did you learn what was going wrong there, right? Like you said, you had nothing. It was like you were totally toast by Saturday, right? By the last day of work. Tell me a little bit more about that because you weren't, you weren't giving yourself good energy, right? Tell us, tell me, tell me more about that. Yes, absolutely. So what I realized, and this has really just been this week. I, when I do my reading and I have my sauna time and I have my journal time and especially my meditation time, I realized that I, in those moments, I let go of all the energy that doesn't belong to me. And so what on my days off, which I have three days that I do my sauna time, those other four days I am giving of myself to everybody else to the point where I get to Saturday and I have nothing, nothing left. I'm exhausted. I ha- I can't give to my family. I can't even, I really can't even give to myself because I don't, I don't have any energy. And so what now I'm going to do is make a point that, um, I can't get to it in the morning, but in the afternoon, I'm going to do my sauna time, even if it's shorter, even if it's a, a, a 15 minutes and I'm going to do my meditation because then I'll let go of all the energy that doesn't belong to me. And, um, you know, I talk with people all day long and so I'm, I'm holding space for them. I'm taking on their energy. We're sharing. And even if it's a good, uh, conversation and it's a good connection, I still have to let that go at the end of the day so I can be connected to myself and to what I need. Thank you so much for sharing that because I think these are the types of conversations that it's really hard for us to have, or we don't know if anyone else understands it. And when you shared this with me, I thought it feels really good. I know I'm on the right track of of creating that space and that balance. And I always encourage clients to try to come up with that as well, right? That's part of of the discussions that you and I have as friends as well is that of this balance thing. You know, this reminds me of a time when I worked full time at a pretty um, intensive like outpatient. In fact, you know, this this happens a lot where I would drive home from working in an outpatient setting with intense cases. And I just spent that half hour or 40 minutes without any radio on because your brain is so busy unwinding. There's just so much to it. And so that's, you know, step one of realizing what a big thing this is. And two, I was sharing just a little bit earlier about, you know, how I also take home 
we all take home that work. And sometimes it's just hard to try to unravel and unwrap. And it's, you know, I know you're at your business, which is a different location. Uh, I'm at my business at home, right? I work with people virtually. And so sometimes just creating that separation between the office and other things is, is really interesting. And so I hope that this conversation about meditation is used. Like, I hope that your story, Elizabeth resonated with the people that are listening. I think we're both being raw and vulnerable today because there's a reason why we're in pursuit of meditation. It's like, for me, it's this evasive thing that I, that keeps escaping me and I keep trying to get to it because I know it will help my clients. I know it'll help my life. I know it'll help motherhood and relationships and all these things. So I always appreciate so much when you share vulnerably with me. I, I think your story is freaking amazing and I just appreciate you so much. Well, I appreciate you too. <laughs> um, but one other thing I wanted to share is I always thought meditation was so hard. I thought it was this thing that, all right, I got to sit down and, and be quiet and not do this and do this and focus on my breathing. But like working with James, it was like, it just comes naturally. Like when you're just, when you're quiet and you just sit, it just comes naturally. Oh, that was another thing I forgot during the meditation. So I could hear the girls out outside arguing, but I knew I needed my meditation. I needed that space. I covered my ears with my <laughs> hands. And so I could hear my heartbeat. I could hear the flow of fluids or blood or whatever it was. And so I knew that I was connected to energy. So I could feel that I could hear, I could hear the actual energy in my body. And I think that that what, that's what made the meditation so much more amazing is that that's where I started. I started with just knowing that I was this energy connected to source energy and that we're all connected. And it, it is, it's just, it's an amazing thing. And honestly, if you would have told me I would have been into meditation, like even four months ago, I probably would have laughed, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's, it's been fantastic. Okay, great. I think this will be a great story and context to lead us into into this show. So thank you. Yes, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Okay, today on The Less Stressed Life, we are talking about something that really couldn't be more paramount to stress, right? Sleep. Mm-hmm. And sleep's friends, right? Sleep and, and how do you get incredible sleep. So that's why we have the good night guru here. Meet James Ripley, founder of the Guided Meditation Institute and creator of Good Night Guru. James' interest and studies of relaxation and meditation began in college in 1992 with the Hypnosis Society at Miami University of Ohio. And I giggled when I read that the first time because I thought, oh, that's a funny oxymoron, right? Miami University in Ohio. He is certified by the Anna Wise Center in Berkeley, California as an awakened mind meditation and brainwave practitioner and trainer. I can't wait to learn a little bit more about brainwaves today which combines the ancient art of meditation with modern biofeedback technologies, including EEG and skin conductance. That is so fun. It's like integrative meditation, right? Modern and ancient, like the the best of both. Presently, he continues to teach and provide guided meditation as a support for you to create one 
empowering meditations for two incredible sleep and life. Sounds important. Sounds interesting. Sounds like I know plenty of people with sleep issues and I can't wait to learn a little bit more about this. He writes and creates his own guided meditations that are designed with the science of brainwaves in mind. He has created the Goodnight Guru's 21-day guided meditation course and a digital download for those who feel like they're too busy or tired to meditate, which is a great point that we'll be talking more about. Um, so, can't wait to learn a little bit more about this, and we'll talk more about programs later. And James, welcome to the show. Hi, Krista. How are you? Thank you for having me. I am so well, and I I got such great restorative sleep last night as compared to the night before. I have a four-year-old that thinks he's a four-month-old lately and crawling into my bed and kicking me in the back. And so mm -hmm. um, you forget about how important sleep can be sometimes when you're sleeping well, right? Anything you forget how bad something was when it's good. Right. And so I just recently had the experience of how it was bad. And I, you know, many of my clients with gut issues have poor sleep issues because of like neurotransmitter function. And so, um, this is such a great topic that I'm just delighted to learn so much more about in regarding sleep, because if you don't have good sleep, man, you just don't get restored. So thanks for sharing this with us today. So true. So James, can you share with us how you discovered meditation? So I discovered meditation in high school. Um, every day when I would come home from football or basketball practice, there was about an hour in between when I came home and when dinner was on. So I would go into the living room or the family room and lay down flat on the floor and by the couch and take a, what's considered a power nap. And at the time, I didn't know what I was doing, but I would get my power nap, wake up, but then I wouldn't move, and I'd lie there completely still and listen to the sounds in the background. And it was just pure bliss. Uh, nobody was bothering me. My body was still, and I believe because my body was still, my mind would stay calm as well. So senses became heightened. In fact, my experience of it was there was actually more going on, not less. In other words, I was aware, aware of more is what was happening. And um, at the time, I didn't know it was meditation. I just knew it felt good. And I was very relaxed. And it was probably the best part of the day waking up from that nap. Uh, it always gave me a sense of a clear mind and a connectedness to something, uh, maybe deeper within myself, and uh, certainly felt good. So that's how I discovered it. And um, I probably didn't realize what it was until later when I got to college and studied hypnosis a little bit. Uh, to realize that I was, in fact, having a meditative experience. Well, you were lucky to discover this at such a young age because most of us walk around with so much brain clutter uh, that we don't even realize what it feels like to reduce that clutter. Mm -hmm. when, when you were talking about being more aware of your surroundings, my brain immediately went to, if anyone's ever had a small child that's um, upset, when you go outside they stop crying immediately because I think that they're so much more in tune to their senses mm -hmm. because they have no other option. Right. So they hear, feel the wind hit their face. Mm -hmm. You can just see like their expressions change. They're like, Oh, interesting. Like everything changed. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And so we lose so much awareness of things as we grow and, and age. And so, but at the same time, you really learned about this from such a, such a young age. So then what happened next? Why did you study about hypnosis in college? Like tell me the next steps of what, what happened here? Well, I decided to, get a degree in finance and there were just some things that weren't completely fulfilling about it. One is I just had a fascination with altered states of consciousness, hypnosis, 
anything that's incredible. There was a show that's incredible at the time. And uh, hypnosis was one of those things that really allowed me to also engage in my imagination. Because in hypnosis and imagination, to a certain degree, anything can be real. Um, what I did learn a little bit is that to a certain degree, anything we imagine can be considered real by the body, right? It's around perception. And, uh, and I'm, I'm losing track of w- what the question was, Krista. No, that's okay. I was just kind of wondering like what happened next after, after high school, you went into finance, you decided that wasn't very fulfilling. You were really just, your passion was really this curiosity into, um, what was underneath the t- the top level of the brain, I think. Yes, yes. I, th- I think it was that, c- that connection uh, to something unseen, something that was more inward. And the power of that, what, what that meant, and how, how I could use that for my life. And, and I think o- overall there was just a feeling that when I closed my eyes and did something imaginative, I felt connected to something more. Called spirit, source, God, and and with meditation, a big part of meditation is actually can be an increase in alpha waves, which is strongly correlated to imagination, the ability to see, hear, smell, taste from the inside. Um, now we don't want to get too distracted by that, but that is one of the steps in relaxation. Um, if, if you've ever been riding, driving on the highway and zoned out for a bit and forgot in the last five or 10 minutes, um, you've probably got an increase in alpha. You've gone into a little bit of a daydreamy zone. Um, that is a more relaxed state. It's sort of, it can be a hypnagogic state. Um, and it tends to, that is a relaxation of the mind, but as the mind relaxes, it also tends to relax the body and vice versa. So you got me, I have more questions, but you got me distracted by talking about science with alpha waves. Can you tell us a little bit more about what happens in the brain when it's relaxed versus when it's in this like constant state of stress? Mm-hmm. So the five main categories of brain waves are gamma, beta, alpha, theta, delta. Delta is your lowest frequency brainwave and is typically associated with sleep, deep sleep. So if you, you're lying in bed and sleeping and you only have delta brainwaves, typically you're in a deeper sleep pattern in, as a general rule. They're finding it's more complex like that and there's all those brainwaves at once but just in different uh, relationships. Um, as you add back, let's say, theta, um, you'll, tend to have, uh, you'll tend to have a more dreamy uh, type of sleep. That's your, your sleep. And alpha, of course, gives you that more, enables you to see what you're actually feeling. So let's back up a little bit. Beta brainwaves typically are associated with your analytical mind, um, your rational mind, deductive reasoning. So you use that a lot in just reading, writing, arithmetic type of thing. Once we drop into more of an alpha state, if we were to close our eyes, some people might even see a wall of orange or yellow or blue. There's something that's being stimulated where we can see with our inner eye things more clearly, more distinctly. Um, you can close your eyes. Someone says, hear a church bell, and you can. some people will hear a church bell. Others will see it. That's your imagination at work. Now, as alpha increases, you, that function increases as well. Um, 
But if you've ever had a feeling of something's bugging you or something is happening and you can't quite put a name to it, that's theta. There's a feeling there. And as theta increases, we have more access to memory, um, also a sense and feeling around good or bad or what it means to us. So imagine alpha increases and we close our eyes and we can see this gorgeous diamond ring, for example, but not much of a feeling around it. We add theta to that and suddenly we get a connection, sentimentality, meaning, that sort of thing. So to increase alpha and theta gives us the the sensual imagination and to increase theta gives it the feeling around that. So I I really appreciate when you give this stuff like something tangible for my little Mm -hmm. science brain to kind of hold on to a little bit. Um, But I think I interrupted you there. So tell us more about those two. Sure. So, So to continue, the... In meditation, what happens typically is we, we use meditation as a reference point relative to the normal day-to-day, right? So if everybody is always walking in a meditative state, it wouldn't be significant, except we're typically not. We're walking around in a state where the mind and body are both very aroused and stimulated and usually stressed. So where's meditation and sleep? Well, as we relax our body, say, for example, if we start to read a book, what happens is our body begins to relax because it becomes still, even though our mind is slightly stimulated still, but maybe less stimulated than from the day. Or if we wanted to relax our mind, mind, but still allow our body to be slightly stimulated, like in Qigong or Tai Chi, or a moving meditation practice or a mindful practice, then we end up relaxing our mind while our body is still moving. So those are two different paths from the day to day. Is that like taking a walk in silence? Absolutely. Um, and depending on how silent your mind is, obviously if you have a lot of internal dialogue, that's not really relaxing to the mind or the body. But if you allow the internal dialogue to reduce and diminish, allow it to pass. And there are steps to this, uh, internal steps you can do. But to allow that to pass, what happens is as you are walking in a mindful way, you're allowing your mind to relax and unwind from the day, and that will in turn start to relax the body. And if you start to relax the body as in sitting and reading first, even though you're keeping your mind stimulated with a good book or a novel or studying, in turn, relaxing your body and keeping it still, as in seated meditation, it will in turn begin to allow your mind to relax as you're reading that book, which is why a lot of people read books before they go to bed. Hmm. Helps them relax. Everybody has different access points. Some people might do Qigong or exercise. Other people might read a book. It all depends on who you are and where you are in your life and what works for you. And that's a big part of what I work with, what works for you. Um, there's, there are, I believe there's as many ways to define meditation as there are people on the planet. Uh, if we just look at the major meditation traditions or religions around meditation, prayer, mindfulness, uh, they certainly all have their traditions and differences. But what's important to me is folks discover what works best for them. Yeah, it's just like food. 
honestly, right? Mm -hmm. Try different things and see what works best for you. I want to summarize a little bit of what you said there because it's really key. If everyone walked around in a meditative state, it would not be interesting. In fact, one of the most powerful quotes that I have re- like that I've internalized in life and continue to repeat was I was teaching uh, high school um, classes and one of the students said, "If you don't ever have downs in life, you wouldn't understand your ups." And so, if you walked around in meditation, you wouldn't under like it would not be special, right? It'd be walking, you know, if you walked around in sleep, if you walked around in whatever. But we we tend to walk around in this busy brain. So, so Mm -hmm. I love how you described it as a reference point compared to the rest of the day, because it can be defined in many ways, but it's a difference from what your day to day is. So, and the other points you talked about, I love when you go through this. And so I'm going to try to cover it and I want you to fix it if I don't, but Reading a book, your body relaxes, but your mind stays aroused. Doing a moving meditation or some kind of like calming exercise, or maybe just taking a walk. We hope that maybe your mind settles down, but your body is aroused. And then in meditation, they're both relaxed. Is that correct? Typically? Yes. So uh, the extreme again would be a very stressful work day. We're moving our body. We're agitated. Our mind is stimulated, lots of internal dialogue, a lot of stress. Our mind and body are both activated, aroused. It's not necessarily a bad thing depending on the goal and the function of that, but it's stressful to the body and the mind. The To go in the exact opposite direction, to either begin to relax our mind or our body or both, we'll end up going toward meditation and toward sleep. So as we go toward meditation, our first step in meditation is relax. And for a, for a powerful meditation, um, there's a great saying by Deepak Chopra. He says, the first step is to relax or we won't go anywhere. And I love it. And it's true. So the first step is to discover how we might relax, at least if it's the next step. If we can't, can't get incredibly relaxed, how about a little bit? If we can't find a way to get a little bit relaxed, how about just orient ourselves in the general direction of it? Okay, so we begin to get more and more relaxed. And what typically happens in a seated meditation is, especially for beginners, is the first time they sit for a meditation, once they become become relaxed enough, they tend to shift into sleep. The body usually knows two modes, awake and sleep, right? Awake is aroused body, aroused mind, stressed. And then what people tend to do during the day, they work, 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 especially busy people, successful people. They work 14-hour days with families and friends and work schedules, all that. And then they lay down, hit their pillow, and let's just assume they have great, they sleep well. They hit their pillow, they fall asleep, and it's like a blackout. Then they wake up in the morning, they get right back up to their where they were yesterday, revving up their mind and their body with their coffee and stimulants. And they go through that cycle. The question I have for people is what happens in that in-between? As you close your eyes, lay down for sleep. If you remained just aware a little bit longer, five, 10 minutes as you're falling asleep, what you might find is you're in a more of a meditative state, similar to the power nap. I'm busily writing. Don't mind me. Okay. So 
people tend to have a switch and we do it because it's helpful to a certain degree to get things done. We work, work, work all day. And when we're ready to go to sleep, we do a one more thing and one more thing. And then we lay down and we flip a switch and hopefully we fall asleep. Most people in my mind, don't have a very good unwinding or relaxation practice, let alone a meditation practice. Mm-hmm. And what I would suggest is if we can elongate that relaxation practice intentionally, we'll find we'll end up meditating or being in a meditative state. And if that practice is walking the dog and allowing your mind to unwind, fantastic. If it's to read a book, fantastic. But to be a little bit more intentional about what's happening during that relaxation before you actually fall asleep. Yeah, I suppose there's many ways to guide yourself into this. In fact, I have written down from our notes from our first conversation that uninspired meditation is hell. Can you expound upon that? (laughs) Well, it is for me. I don't know about anybody else. But, you know, one of the things I go through every day, uh, at least a little bit, is when I sit for a meditation and I really don't want to. And so I don't. And then I beat myself up a little bit. Well, I should sit for meditation. I teach meditation. I should be doing this every day. Right? Mm -hmm. So that's the first one of the first things um, I start to look at now, and I'm, I'm better at it than I used to be. I don't meditate every day deliberately, at least not a seated practice meditation. I give myself permission to find moments in the day that are meditative, to be more mindful in some ways. You could call it mindful or some moments where I just say, okay, two minutes, stop everything, be still, and and be more accepting of myself and appreciative of what I'm going through and start with the first step of not beating myself up for what I should have, could have, would have done. Right. And uh, go ahead. Mm-hmm. So, so the question was. Uh, Uninspired meditation as uh, hell. So how do you inspire meditation? Right? Yeah. So for, for me, and this is my experience, the first step in an, in an inspired meditation is not to be self-critical of how I'm doing my meditation or, or what it should look like or what the outcome should be and how, how that happens really on a fundamental level is to let go control and let everything be as it is easier said than done, but just the mindset of that allowing me to be who I am and what I am. Let everything be. To just be, not to do anything, not to be anything, to let, to truly let go, to let go of having to do, to let go of having to be. So let's say that someone is um, latching on to the point of, yeah, you know, I do kind of hit the pillow and either completely pass out. And by the way, possibly wake up a few times in the middle of the night, which I definitely see with people um, before one reason or another. But let's say someone says, sure, I'm going to give a little bit like five or 10 minutes to intentionality, right? Right before bed. 
Can you give me some examples of what some of your clients have seen by adding that one little piece to their life? Like what are some transformations or things that you've seen on the back end benefits? Krista, I'm sorry. Could you ask that again, please? You bet. What are, so if you have someone that says, sure, I'm going to take these five or 10 minutes before bed and add more intentionality to it, right? Like I'm not just going to hit the pillow and crash uh, and then sometimes wake up a couple times in the night unrested, but I'm going to be more intentional about um, getting into this meditative state because, you know, why, what, sometimes we need this, we need a push, we need something to shoot for, right? What are some things that people could expect? What are benefits that you see on the outside that people gain from adding this practice to their life? What are some things that your clients have seen? Mm, absolutely. Well, Elizabeth uh, is a great example, and there's some others as well. Some of the things I commonly see uh, or hear are this. Um, you know, it takes me 50, 50 minutes to fall asleep on average over the years. And now that I'm using the digital download, I'm falling asleep in 10, 15 minutes. I would assure you, while the digital download might be a tool that could be helping, it has much more to do with the intention that gets set around wanting to sleep better and, and the outcome of that. Um, a pre-step to falling asleep, in, in my mind, is learning how to just be. Now, that might not mean a lot to anybody, but if you've actually ever experienced in meditation or relaxation or watching a sunset, that moment where nothing else matters but just being, how serene that is, that is a place of relaxation that is even beyond the physical mind and body. Okay, it's more of a place of maybe an attitude or a mindset or an experience inside. To find that place, sleep becomes a happy consequence. So suddenly the, the focus is off getting better sleep, and it's now on, an internally referenced feeling that is not reliant on anything outside. Well, isn't that nice? Because now you're not relying on anything outside to fall asleep. Not a pill, not a medication, not someone's affirmation. You're finding that place inside that allows you to just be with yourself. feels like coming home. So what about people that say, yeah, I tried that once. I, I actually struggle with like, I know how useful it is. And I like to, I know, you know, self-awareness is the first step to doing anything better or changing anything, honestly. So my self-awareness tells me that I do this better by adding some white space to my life at the beginning of the day. Because if I do it in the midday, it takes me forever to unwind my brain from the things that are going on with work, right? And mm -hmm. so... What do you say to people that say, yeah, I've tried meditation. I just can't quite get it. It's hard. Mm. I just can't. Mm. It's, I'm, I'm just too busy. I can't add it. I, it's just, I haven't, I just don't get it. Right. So, and this is the feedback I've gotten over the years at parties. It's the most common time for a friend or an associate to say, Hey, what do you do? How do I teach meditation? And they say, well, I say, well, have you ever done that or tried that? They say, well, you know what? I did once, but I was too tired. We're just too busy. And then when I finally did, it was just an awful experience for a few minutes, so I never went back to it. Um, why? And, and what that says to me is people are just legitimately too busy, or at least they feel they are. Um, so what I did was I created a, created a, a system here or a program where they could literally just lay down, 
press play on the digital download with a little bit of intention beforehand to help improve that practice of relaxation and sleep. And I believe I diverged from your question. (laughs) Yeah, the question is, what do you say to people that say, I'm too busy to meditate or I tried that once and it just didn't really work? Yeah, I would say this. Um, Everyone's too busy, it seems, if you're working hard and have a family especially. So what I would say is find 10 seconds in the day or 30 seconds or a minute and just be still and use, make a practice about those moments you may have in the transitions of the day, in between work and home, in between you know, morning and afternoon. Where it becomes easier to do that, perhaps, is in the moments right before you lay down to go to sleep. It's beneficial to begin relaxing anyway so you can get a better night's sleep. So I would suggest instead of creating one more thing to do, like a meditation practice that takes 20 minutes that might seem like a lot of time. The way I designed the 21 day course is so you can lay down, close your eyes and press play. And the idea is this, if you're having trouble sleeping, then you'll end up in a more meditative state with a little bit of a practice in the digital download. If you end up falling asleep, then you'll sleep even more relaxed and more deeply. And if you do that, what are the other benefits? <laughs> right. Well, something that comes up a lot in the, that came up in the course was this. To take two or three minutes before I go to bed and for me to write down my, let's say it's a 21-day day intention and then a daily focus for the next day, just to write that down, one line, to take that to bed. What's interesting about that is it resets my mindset and uses my daily focus, which could be to relax more or have a better meditation practice or to just whatever that is. And it takes that into sleep. And if you do that long enough, you do begin even dreaming about that intention. It also sets up the next morning to just revisit that for 30 seconds so that then that intention gets taken into the day. One of the one one of the uh, participants mentioned that by the fifth or sixth day, she was um, in the 21-day course, she was actually n- not uh, looking at her intention in the morning on, I think it was day six or seven. And what she found was when she went to her meditation that night before she went to sleep, she had to do more unwinding of the stress of the day. By day seven or eight, she went back to reviewing her intention in the morning. What she found was because she had that intention of being more relaxed and less stressful, just in the back of her mind during the day, she seemed to accumulate less stress. So when she actually went to the meditation at night as she went to sleep, there was less to unwind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we use I use this analogy a lot in about a bajillion different uh, settings about a bucket, right? We fill this bucket up with uh, stuff. We accumulate stuff. We accumulate stresses. And so if you take care of this a little bit day by day, it's no longer a job. It's no longer this new job or task or thing to do that you never get around to doing because no one really has time to add another thing to their plate. Mm -hmm. It's a habit that helps unwind the stress 
and thereby makes everything else better because of what happens when you relax stress. So I'm going to summarize some of the steps that I heard you point out to starting meditation and starting this intentionality. One, let go of criticisms of yourself, right? And this honestly is related to food. It's related to sleep. It's related to stress. It's related to everything. So release criticisms of yourself. Two was what I heard was setting a daily intention because if you do it daily, it's not so long between them. It doesn't accumulate. If you do it daily, um, it sets, you know, it's sort of like how people use visualizations. They, and I mean, people who have, people who are very successful, ask them, they'll say, like they said they wanted, you know, I have a friend that just hired someone, right? She said, she put it out into the world and said, I want to make sure I want to hire someone X, Y, Z. And like somehow when you do things like that, the right thing falls into your lap. Like you have to ask for what you want, right? And so that's setting that daily intention. The third is with that intention, like be becoming, take that five or 10 minutes before bed to become more relaxed and focused on breathing and your intention and, and create that, you know, let go of some things. And on, and I talk about this, I, I, <laughs> I mentioned this a lot in podcasts. I start to feel like a broken record that when you add a little bit of white space, that's where the magic happens. And on, this is why I continue. We are, you know, on another step of Krista's journey toward meditation. So sorry, you guys are all coming along for this ride. Sorry, not sorry, hashtag. Uh, but I'm glad that you are because we all have to work on these stress reducing things and this relaxation. Like it's, it's a problem. People are constantly stressed, right? Because it's not easy and it's elusive and whatnot, right? So releasing criticism, setting daily intentions, um, uh, allow yourself to relax and really focus and uh, breathing and continue that onto the next morning and do it in just the smallest chunk. So it's attainable and doesn't feel like a task. Does that seem like it summarized some of those steps, James? Well done. I love it. If, it, <laughs> if I could add just a little bit to it. Yeah. Sure. So if, if I had five steps with the good night guru, I would say it's these steps for either meditation, relaxation, or incredible sleep, okay, that all benefit your life. First step, relax. Relax your mind, relax your body, or find out what's relaxing to you. Okay, and that is a move. That means a movement away from the normal day to day, to a more internally referenced self. Uh, the second would be to remember. Remember what your intention is. Remember who you are, or remember what your connection is. Remember what's meaningful, important, purposeful. Remember what your calling is. Remember what it is that allows you to center. So that's number two. Number three would be rest. Because I have found that if we get enough rest, our meditation or our life, whatever that is, is just simply better. We have energy for the awareness, for meditation, for intentionality, for our life. So rest, in my mind, is crucial. So relax. Remember and then in meditation, rest. And then the fourth step would be to reflect inside the meditation, reflect on what's happening, become aware of it, acknowledge it, appreciate it, reflect on it. And then the fifth step would be as we come out of meditation to ground it or integrate it would be to review it just like we might with sleep. We wake up from sleep, we review our intention from the night before, and then 
connected to that review is, of course, grounding is to share it with somebody. To be witness, to share it, to make it real. And to a certain degree, that holds us accountable. I love it. It's the five R's toward meditation for excellent sleep and, uh, and more, you know, actually that's my, my, one of my last questions is let's say I want to, you know, I think to get better at anything, you have to focus on what's problematic for you right now. Right. So what's problematic for me? So I, I see clients and then I do some writing, right? And so because my mind is busy, sometimes I have a hard time getting in the zone, right? Any parent could tell you it's hard to get in the zone uh, when you have kids because it's always like you can think of 500 other things that you, sh- you can do instead of getting in this zone. So I think that'll be my intention is to try to improve my writing practice through improving focus through meditation. How does that sound, James? So some, is it, is it, can I do it? Do you think this is possible? Yeah, you, you can. And that zone or that flow really is an outward extension of a meditation. In many ways, the zone or flow that athletes get in or create people in creative mode get into moms in, in their workday, whatever that is, that really is taking the meditation, the sitting still closed eyed meditation back into life. And who doesn't want to be there? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, good. So if we want to be better at sports, performance, focus, parents, whatever, start with the five steps. Start with the five steps. Start there. And then next, uh, you know, if you need it deeper, because as much as we don't want to admit it, sometimes we have to take baby steps and then we need a little bit deeper thing. So let's say we take these baby steps, mm-hmm. we move forward, and then, um, you know, and then what happens next, right? Um, so I have a couple more questions for you, James. Basically, um, you know, what is your, if someone's listening to this and says, yeah, I'm starting to get it right. Um, I want to, I want to start this. What's your gut reaction to letting them know that this is something that they need? Uh, What would I say to them if they'd contacted me or what would I recommend they do next? Yep. Yep. Sure. 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 Okay. So, you know, if, if somebody's wondering about meditation, um, and they either learned about me or the website, I would suggest, first of all, reaching out to me and uh, just telling me about their situation and seeing how I might help. Um, In terms of steps they might take, in terms of what I offer, um, one of the first steps is a digital download for guided meditation and sleep. And the reason this can be effective is, again, it's a very general meditation designed with brainwaves in mind that allows them to have their own meditation and experience that could be different every night. And it's written in a way where it's not what my idea of meditation is. It's written in a way that gives a lot of space for theirs to happen um, each and every night that might be different. So that could be the first step is to try that digital download. Second is they might decide they're kind of a, kind of a um, do-it-yourselfer and and want to attempt a little bit of a practice with that, and that would be great. Um, Third step would be to, uh, if they're more looking to more invest in habit changing around their sleep, relaxation, and meditation, then there's a 21-day program that I offer uh, each month where they can uh, become part of a class or a group and actually learn a little bit about the meditation process, the brainwaves, why it works the way it is. But really, the focus and emphasis is going to bed every night, pressing play, 
getting those benefits and developing the habit and also being able to share and be witnessed by other people in the class. Um, and certainly if they don't feel comfortable in sharing with other people, um, there's a uh, one-on-one we can do on the 21 day. All of that said, a lot of people decide the first uh, interaction with me is actually to schedule a private session where we do somewhere between an hour and a half and three hours of uh, guided meditation. So they have a very essentially set up so they have an experience of meditation that inspires them uh, to continue to meditate. Uh, because uninspired meditation is hell. That's why. And if they don't do that, then they could just totally miss that. They're just going to miss it. Right. Well, that's, that's exactly it. You remember that. And this is why uninspired meditation is hell as, as a phrase is important to me. I've meditated many, many times and it was off. It felt awful and I didn't want to go back to it. So I think one of the ways to make this sustainable is to, in my experience, it wasn't until I started to have, profound experiences and aha moments around how meditation or why meditation is so good for us. It wasn't until then that I started going back to it more and more. Well, no joke. You got that uh, positive reinforcement. That's what happens when you create habits. If you don't, that's the only reason many of exercise, not like, Oh, I want to go exercise. It's like, Oh, I like the feeling afterwards. Yeah. Although that's not true for everyone. Right. That's so, right. so today we talked about, why people who are exhausted and fatigued and unrested should meditate. We gave five R's, relax, remember, rest, reflect, and review on how you can start meditation, right? One was, you know, just starting with not being critical of yourself and relaxing and ended up with reflection and review. And there's many steps to it. So rewind uh, if you can't remember those. And then we talked about you know, what can you do next, right? Um, go check out the goodnightguru.com. That's N-I-T-E, not G-H-T, guru.com to learn a little bit more about James. And uh, I think James is going to send over a little bit of information that we'll include in the show notes that talks about some of that biofeedback and brainwave images, because that was where I kind of lit up through this conversation, was talking about gamma, beta, theta, and alpha. And um, so hopefully he'll share just a little bit more about that if you're interested in that piece as well, you can go refer to it there. Thank you so much, James, for sharing these five R's, for sharing a little bit more about your experience toward meditation, um, because we all need we all need some support and help in this whole whole journey. You're welcome. I have a couple more things if you would, you would like. Sure. So first of all, the uh, the phrase I said earlier, one of my favorite phrases, it's by Adi Shante. So to give him credit, he says, meditation is essentially letting go of control and letting everything be as it is. Okay. And I really do believe that. Um, so I want to make sure that uh, somewhere, somewhere in there uh, where I mentioned that, that that's reference to Adi Shante. I'd appreciate that. Um, the other part here is I have a good night guru guided meditation. It's about three minutes long, but it's really just uh, the vision around the good night guru. And I'd love to share that as, as the close. Oh, I'd love if you did. Okay. So about the good night guru, there's a time to engage fully with life and a time to reflect with a deeply inward focus, a time for doing and a time for being. Because some things can't be fixed by doing, there are times when just being is what it 
is what is needed most. At those times, it's time to say goodnight. Goodnight to the day-to-day. Goodnight to the outside influences. Goodnight to the inner stories. Goodnight any part of you that believes that doing one more thing will bring you that deep peace that's awaiting you inside. The guru is not out there. It's right here, inside. In the fullness of your stillness and silence and space in connection with spirit. The guru is that calm, commanding presence inside. That part where joy comes from. That part that makes you feel alive and smile from the inside. That part that allows us to feel in love with life and fall asleep more peacefully. That part where your natural genius arises. That deeper part of you that knows that it's okay to let go and let everything be as it is. And knows that you and everyone in your life will be better for it as you fill up your tank from the inside. It's not a thinking. It's not a feeling. It's not a knowing. Although these experiences can help you access it more quickly. It's a remembering of a certain way of being with yourself. A way that allows you to feel renewed. A way that feels like coming home. At home within yourself with all of the benefits. And I can't think of a better time to engage in this way of being for ourselves and for the world than now. So I hope whoever joins me enjoys your meditation, enjoys your journey into meditation, enjoys your journey into radical relaxation and the restful sleep that follows. I hate to say anything else because I feel like people are going to sleep now. I hope no one's driving. (laughs) Well, I hope that uh, you can rewind this and use this as step one of, uh, I think honestly the whole the the icing on that cake was James's voice. So I hope I, I I don't want to add too much at the end of this, but I wanted to say hopefully you can go back and use this. That felt like a great thing to come into the night or to go into sleep by. So thank you so much for sharing. Your voice is extremely soothing, James. Thank you, Krista. Thanks for having me. I appreciate that. Yes, thank you so much. And uh I, I appreciate being able to see your treehouse in Boulder today and for you to share a little bit of your business and, um, and life's mission with us. 
All right. Thanks again and sleep well, everybody. One of the best gifts you could give us at The Less Stressed Life is your feedback. We are paid in podcast reviews. If you enjoyed this or any other episode, please leave us a review. In the iTunes store or from your podcast app, just search for Less Stressed Life as if you're not already subscribed. Click on the banana face image, scroll to the bottom where it shows the text of other reviews, and write a review. While you're there, hey, make sure you hit subscribe. For Android or Stitcher users, you gotta go to the the desktop site and search for Less Stress Life and then scroll down to leave a review. Stitcher doesn't load Apple reviews on their site, so if you want, you can leave a review in both places. Your feedback means a lot to the success of the show. Thanks so much for taking the time to do that. You rock. 